0: Our scripture lesson this morning is a very familiar scripture lesson. It's one that you have probably heard many times, this story is. um, This is the story of the Good Samaritan. So most everybody has in some shape or form heard this story. So let us hear it again this morning with new ears. Please rise as you are able to hear the reading of the scripture from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Our thanks be to God. Please be seated. In the 1980s, I watched a movie called *Mr. Mom*. Anybody see that movie? Anybody remember that movie, *Mr. Mom*? It starred um, Michael Keaton, and um, I don't remember the character's name, but Michael Keaton's character suddenly uh, was without a job and was going to be Mr. Mom, and he was going to take care of the household while his wife went to work. And so he was having to learn how to do all of the chores because he really didn't know what he was doing. And um, as he as he got into doing the chores, he figured out that he and the vacuum cleaner didn't really get along all that well. And so he nicknamed the vacuum cleaner Jaws because the vacuum cleaner seemed to have just a mind of its own. And I have to be completely honest here with you guys, that vacuum cleaner scared me a lot. It scared me. It scared me more than I think the real Jaws scares me. When when it was my turn in our own family to do the vacuuming, to do my share of the vacuum of the, the household chores. I was scared to death to plug that thing in. And, and one of the reasons, and I have figured this out, I had a little bit of an epiphany during the um, early service. One of the reasons I was scared to do that is because my brothers did not turn it off properly. They would just stand there when they finished vacuuming and they would just yank the cord. I know nobody else does that. They would just yank the cord and then just leave it and whoever else had it, you just had it. So when you plugged it in, you never knew whether or not it was going to come on or not. And vacuum cleaners are quite loud so as you know so it was scary for me it was quite detrimental in fact um i'm still trying to to work through this a little bit this hideous machine of death it has tormented me so anyway i'm putting it i'm putting it aside but these memories these these fears you know they're they're real when my girls were little they had some really bizarre fears and i don't i don't know i don't know you know it wasn't something reasonable like being scared of the vacuum cleaner they had bizarre fears they were scared of the dark the dark actually that's a pretty common one that's a pretty common one But they were scared of the dark and they would sleep with as many lights on as i would let them they were maybe scared to go in certain places in the house without at least a buddy um i'm not really sure what all that was about but you know the fear of the dark caitlin I asked her permission before I shared this story because I didn't want to get in trouble. Caitlin, she was scared of dogs when she was little. And um, pretty much all dogs, it really didn't matter uh, what they were really. When she was four, though, I noticed she started this this pattern of behavior that I thought was a little bit odd since she was scared of dogs. She would, she would see somebody walking their dog and she would go up to them and she would ask them, can I pat your dog? And before you knew it, Caitlin was on the ground rolling around with these dogs that she'd never met before, didn't know anything about, and they're licking her in the face, and she's giggling and having this grand old time, and it just doesn't make any sense if you're scared of it. So I asked her, I said, Caitlin, you know, why, being scared of dogs, do you keep going up to people and asking to pet their dogs? Because I can guarantee you, I am not going to go up to some stranger and say, may I use your vacuum cleaner? That's just not going to happen. I guarantee you, it's not going to happen. But Caitlin, she had a very simple answer as to why she would go up to a complete stranger and ask to pet their dog, the thing that she was scared of. You know, she said, I decided, I decided to be friends with every dog I met so that I wouldn't be scared of them anymore. I decided to be friends so I wouldn't be scared anymore. Such simple, simple words. And from a four-year-old. Four-year-old, nonetheless. (laughs) But, you know, as as I've thought about this past week and all of the events that have happened, as I've thought about all the hate that seems to just be spewing, spewing from so many different directions, I've come to a bit of a realization. I don't think it's hate for the sake of hate. I don't think that's all of it, at least. Not from everybody. Perhaps, perhaps some have seen an opportunity to cause trouble or to do evil and have taken advantage of that. But I don't think it's right to universally chalk it all up to just hate. I think it's fear. I think it's fear. It's fear manifesting itself into racism, into homophobia, into distrust. Fear, fear disguising itself as something else and presenting itself as violent, violent aggression. Presenting itself as hurtful, snide remarks. You know, we fear the things that we do not know. Like a child fears the dark, or I fear vacuum cleaners. Which, by the way, I have gotten over a little bit, just a little bit. We fear what we do not know. We don't know what's lurking in the shadows, so we fear the dark. We don't know how an airplane can stay up in the sky, so we fear flying. We don't know if we can trust someone, so we fear commitment. We don't know what others will think of us, so we fear a public speaking we don't know people who are different than us we haven't made friends with them yet and so we fear them despite our fears despite the unknowns despite the apparent hatred that causes us to hurt and to kill there is something far greater than our fears There is something that shines a light in the darkness. There is something that provides words of prayer when we have none. There is something that gives us hope, something that gives us courage. That something is love, simply love. The lawyer answered correctly when Jesus asked, What is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He said, We are to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. Love. That's a pretty simple answer. And so we often say, Well, yes, yes, of course, love, love, of course. We are completely on board with the idea of love. Yes, that's absolutely the right answer. It's an easy one. It's easy to say. But, you know, wait, wait. If, yeah, love, yes, but wait. What about, what about safety? You know, I mean, we have to be safe. Um, what, what, what about our, our finances? We have to protect our finances. And, and our family, we, we need to make sure we protect our families. We have to protect them. We have to, we have to be wise. We have to be careful. In this well-crafted, well-thought-out logic. We are speaking from a place of fear. We are not speaking from a place of love. First John 4 tells us, There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, and now we love. Because? Why? Because. Because God first loved us. First John continues, We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. If anyone says, I love God, and hates a brother and sister he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who he can see cannot love God the one who he cannot see the commandment we have from him those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also That's fair enough right beautiful words love God Show your love of God by loving your brother and sister. That's beautiful. But who are my brother and sister? Who are my brother and sister? Teacher. Who is my neighbor? Jesus answers the lawyer's question with a slightly different question. He throws out the notion that someone might or might not be categorized as a neighbor, and he reframes the question completely by saying, Who was the neighbor? Not who is my neighbor, but who was the neighbor? Of the three sojourners on the road to Jericho, who was the neighbor? A neighbor is defined by his or her actions, not his or her demographic." It is not, a, it's not who a neighbor is, it is rather what a neighbor does. The civil rights movement was a beautiful movement. And I think that, that we white Christian folks, and maybe I speak for myself here, but I, I think that we thought that we were beyond racism. Racism. I think we thought that since we stopped using demeaning words in public, and everyone supposedly had access to the same water fountains and schools, that, that we thought that since we were politically correct in our words and our actions, that we were free of the beast of racism. And I do believe that we have softened. We have softened the edges some. I do believe that we have made some progress But it's not enough. Obviously, it is not enough. We default to racism out of fear. We default to judgment out of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of different, fear of change. Fear. But God has a word for us when it comes to fear. He has a word for fear, and he says perfect love has no room for fear. Perfect love has no room for fear. Sure, fear is a natural response. We should have some fear, but we are putting it in all the wrong places. We are created for so much more than fear. We are created for love. So let us this morning, let us this morning take time not rationalize or try to justify the behaviors of anyone. But let us grieve. Let us grieve. Let us grieve for the families of the young black men who lost their lives. Let us feel their pain and their heartache. Let us grieve Let us grieve for the families of the police officers who didn't come home from their last shift. Let us grieve. Let us grieve from the families of those killed in Orlando. Let us grieve. Let us grieve for our neighbor. And in our grief, in our grief, let us ask for forgiveness for our own actions, for our inactions, for all that has allowed racism to be our fearful expression of difference. Let us ask forgiveness for our failure to recognize that we, all of us, are created in the image of God. Whether you wear a policeman's badge or a a job, whether whether your skin is of color or pale and freckled. Whether you have fallen in love with someone of your own sex or you haven't fallen in love at all. God created us. We, all of us. All of us. We are humanity, and we together are created in God's image. And only together can we truly understand what that means. Only together. Black, brown, white, homosexual, heterosexual, ambulatory, immobile, indifferently abled. Only together we can be perfect in love for God, and perfect in love for one another. Only together. Celebrating the differences that God created within each one of us. Celebrating our differences. It is only together that we can be whole. It is only together that we can be holy. Together, we can truly bear witness to the image of God within us. Loving God and our neighbor as ourselves. And it is together that Christ invites us to come to his table, to come to his heavenly banquet, to come to a holy meal that provides nourishment for our spirits, to come to a table that will provide hope and love It is an open table where all are welcome. It is not a United Methodist table. It's not a Fayetteville First United Methodist table. It is not a table for only those who are righteous, and it is not a table for only those who are not righteous. It is a table for those who love Christ and who earnestly turn away from their sins and seek to be a neighbor to one another.